word why. What a curious word. The kind of word that can make us cringe, feel defensive, or even distant. But you know, sometimes why is the key. A key that can unlock so much to our lives. Join me as we explore the why with fascinating contributors to the world. Those that entertain us, inform us, teach us about life, and if we're lucky, inspire the next in all of us. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and welcome to Headroom, a production of Rainlight and co-produced by Old Soul. Let's go. All right, Guy Fieri, uh, great to spend some time with you uh, today. Look, I want to talk about your partnership with Sammy Hagar, uh, obviously the Red Rocker. Um, why tequila for you? Uh, tequila is a happy drink. It's it's happy booze. Um, I don't know. I've always been a tequila fan. I think that tequila, unfortunately, got a really bad rap in the uh, 70s and 80s because um, I don't think the tequila was probably that good back then, or at least we weren't getting good tequila. And people were masking tequila with all kinds of stuff. And, um, but I think people drank tequila because it is a fun booze. I mean, it does, I think it makes people happy. And, uh, and I think that you, it, it reminds you of fun times. I mean, Mexico is always a blast. Um, cruises are always a good time. Um, margaritas are delicious, you know? So I think all those connotations or all those, um, connectors really make it a, uh, make it something cool. And then I was a huge Sammy, uh, Cabo Wabo fan. So my restaurant in Northern California, my restaurant in Northern California, a place called Tex Wasabi's, we sold more Cabo Wabo than anybody in Northern California. I mean, we sold, the, I mean, we were the leaders. <laughs> That's actually the way I ended up meeting Sammy, like officially meeting. I'd met him at concerts and stuff, but really. Got you were a good customer. <laughs> I was a big fan and a good customer. And that's kind of how it got started. And he called me one day and he told me it sold. He told me it sold Cabo Abo. And I was heartbroken. I said, how can you do that to us, Sammy? And he said, hey, listen, man, when they offer you a hundred million, you got to do what you got to do. I'm like, well, I'll give you, I'll give you points on that. So I said, hey, if you ever do it again, Sam, if you ever do tequila again, would you call me? He says, calls me Guy Bones. Guy Bones. Guy Bones. Can't do it, man. Guy, don't know where it came from. <laughs> That's what he calls me, Guy Bones. He says, Guy Bones, can't do it. I had to decide a thing, can't ever do it again. I said, how long is it ever again? He says, 10 years. I said, call me in 10 years. Oh, man. Oh, man. So I said, all right. So he calls me about almost like 12 years to the day, he calls me. He says, and I'm out there building a fence on my ranch. And they're watching someone build a fence. lining up. So I'm doing something. In the heat. So I'm not really in the <laughs> You're overseeing. Really in the heat. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not really in the, let's have a big discussion. Guy Bones, Sammy. And every time you talk to Sammy, it's like talking to a guy that's in a rock concert. Yeah. What's up, Sam? Hey, you in? Uh, yeah, Sammy. I'm in what? You in? Yes or no? I said, Sammy. Yeah. Well, I'm what? He goes, yes or no? You in? I said, yeah, Sammy. He goes, we in the tequila business, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Sammy, send me a bunch of money. We're going to go. We're going to kill it. He goes, so he gives me a rundown. I got the same tequila guy, same guy, Juan Eduardo, that was making Cabo Wabo back in the day. And this whole thing. And he goes, I got it all set up. We're going to do this. We're going to crush it. And we started out with the mezquila. And I'm like, what is this? And he goes, it's half mezcal and half tequila. I hate mezcal. He goes, me too. He goes, that's why we're making mezquila. 
you know, all the smokiness, you know, all the parts you live about the scalp, but not all the dirty ashtray. And I'm like, oh, dude, this is crazy. So little by little, we did the Mesquila, then we did the Blanco, then we did the Repo. And then we did a single barrel Repo, and then we did the airline bottles. And now we're just, just sitting on the precipice of our, um, of our Añejo to come out. But uh, it's been amazing, man. He's, Sammy's such a great business partner and such a character and such a piece of work and has such a vision. And oh, my God, what a power. So yeah, it's take been a lot of fun. Take me back to the awesome pretzel cart. Were those the first days of being an entrepreneur? Well, there was there was quite a few businesses when I was a kid. I I was kicked out of the Kool Aid business by my dad. That's how I started the pretzel business because my dad caught me with a purple arm. I'd lost my my Kool Aid stirring stick. <laughs> uh, my dog took it, and so I had a purple arm. My dad my dad busts me. He says, "That's it. You're out of the Kool Aid business. You can't stir the Kool Aid with your arm." <laughs> um, I lived in this little town called Ferndale, up in the uh, Victorian village of Ferndale, up in um, Northern California. So this little angelic town. I mean, a really amazing place. Great. We still have our home up there, and we still have a couple buildings that we own on, on Main Street. But uh, this amazing place to grow up. And uh, a lot of tourists would come through. So I always had some kind of business to sell something. I was always in, you know, it, it's something to do with food or drink. You know, I buy penny candy from the candy store and sell it for nickel across the street with my own little booth made out of cardboard and people couldn't believe a little five-year-old kid was hustling that's so how i made money <laughs> when right? did you yeah guys so i think people when they think about you they think about somebody that is incredibly astute at understanding brand and the impact brand can have on opportunity was there a moment for you when you realized that your name sort of your look was almost not separate from yourself, but when you realized it was something that you wanted to cultivate. I don't know that there was a, an aha moment, but there was definitely a, it was coming to fruition type of moment. And that, I can't tell you exactly when it was, but I had an old timer named Jack LeVar. And he was my, basically my first real manager. He was an advertising, he had a little advertising agency. And that's how I met him because I went and used to come to my restaurant. And I went and asked him if he'd help me market my restaurant. And so when I got on TV and started doing stuff, Jack was the first one that I thought to call and said, Hey, man, I have no idea how to handle this TV stuff. Would to come help me? But here's me and 65 year old Jack, you know, going to the Persian Gulf and going, you know, cross country doing stuff. And he told me, I signed my name one time. The first big event I ever did, I signed my name on all these aprons. And I signed my check signing name, GRF, Guy Ramsey Fietti. And uh, Jack said, he said, what's that? I said, that's my signature. He goes, <coughs> he says, what does it say? I said, it says GRF. Because that's horrible. I said, all the race car drivers, football players, that's how they sign theirs. You're not a race car driver. You're not a football player. You're a cook. Hey, you're going to be a household name one day. He says, and you have a name that nobody else has. You have Guy. He's just, that's a, it's a unique name. Guy. 
So I wrote guy. Just a right guy. I can do it now. He goes, that's your signature from now on. And that, that became it. He says, if you need if you're lucky enough to have a name that's just guy, there's not a lot of guys. I mean, there's guy Richie, guy, I don't know who else. I, I mean, I knew a couple of guys in my hometown. I lived in that little town of Ferndale. Believe it or not, there were two guys. There was a guy Hicks and guy Torelli and me. So three, in a town of 1,400 people, three people named Guy. But that was it. So that's when I kind of got this idea, like, you know, a little bit different, <clears throat> a little bit different background, a little bit different attitude, a little bit different style. Didn't do tattoos and bleached hair and earrings and all that stuff to be on TV. I was already a mess then before I got that. I got that stuff from Sammy. I walked into Sammy's dressing room. First time I met him, I go walk in and he goes, look at you. And I, I look at him and he goes, what's up? And I go, <coughs> excuse me. I go, Sammy, where do you think I got it from, man? I was, I was always a big Sammy fan. You know, I was listening to Sammy since I was in sixth grade or before that. But yeah, pretty crazy. But I think that was kind of around the beginning of when I got the idea that there was something to, to monetize. But, you know, I'm also I'm a big firm believer that you can't squeeze things too hard. You can't push too much out of it you know you just get the you get the extra virgin olive oil of it you get the first press and don't 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 push it too hard so if you reflect back i mean look in what 2019 you're in the hollywood walk of fame i mean would a kid from ferndale have ever thought that that would have been possible given what you were wanting to do whether you were hustling candy on the on the corner or stirring right. kool-aid with your arm stirring kool-aid i love that's what you remember yeah the purple <laughs> arm kid um, I used to sell my toys, set up a little booth and sell my toys. People would buy my toys and then go into this business next door, which is my parents' leather shop. My parents were hippies and they would give back the toys. They just thought it was so cute. I had little price tags on them. I went and got the price tags. My parents made leather price tags and wrote the numbers on them. So I went and got leather price tags and wrote the numbers on them and sold my dump truck. I must have sold it a hundred times, but I always had, you know. <laughs> I was I was wheeling and but no. Could I ever think of this? No. I mean, people ask me all the time, "Is this the? Um, is this a dream come true?" And I'm like, I couldn't dream this shit up. I mean, come on. I was running restaurants in Los Angeles, right next to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and would go there. You know, saw saw so many of the great stars. I remember being down there in LA, you know, doing shows. I did a big show for NBC one time called Minute to Win It. When I was down there doing that show. I never even, even when I walked down there, I've never looked at it and said, well, you know, one day I'll have my star here in the Walk of Fame. Never in a million years. So that was a pretty, pretty neat thing. And it was kind of a serend, what's the word? Serendipitous, melancholy. There's a, there's a big word that I can't spell. But my dad was uh, battling pancreatic cancer. And my dad's my hero. You know, he's, he's my Superman. And he's the one that's probably, you know, he and my mom have been the, greatest uh supporters are they're, they're the kind of parents that if you thought you could fly they'd sure the hell give you a shot at it and uh and they did everything they always supported me in all my crazy endeavors not a lot of them but anyhow my dad got pancreatic cancer and i just lost my little sister to cancer you know nine years prior and uh so anyhow he gets his cancer and i'm sitting there getting this award I'm getting told it's going to be like nine months until it happened and i'm just praying that my dad will live and he'll make it and pancreatic, you guys know, is bad. Not only did he make it, he beat it. And, you know, right now we're three years cancer, cancer free. But uh, having, having my sons, having my parents, my wife, my closest friends, 
some couple of big shot celebrities, Matthew McConaughey and all those folks there. Still, still surreal. I mean, still like I'll sometimes forget it, not forget it, but I'll sit, I'll sit back and just go, fuck, that was crazy. <laughs> what was going on? And the Food Network threw me. It, I don't tell you a funny story, though. <coughs> Food Network says, um, OK, so after the award, where would you like to have your luncheon? I said, luncheon. What luncheon? They said, well, you're going to have luncheon after you uh, after you think. You know, do you want to go to Beverly Hills Hilton or the Beverly Hills Wilsh Hotel? You know, I go, I don't want to go to a goddamn hotel, have a luncheon. Do I look like a luncheon type person? I said, I want to I want to have a kegger. I want to have, you know, a thousand fans, a kegger, and I want Motley Crue to play. Headroom is produced by Old Soul, a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance. Reach out to my guy, Matt, at Old Soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy. That's Old Soul. Shoot Matt a note at aoldsoul.com. That's A-O-L-D-S-O-U-L.com. And now, back to our guest. That was just left of center of what they thought, guy. <laughs> Completely by a million yards. And they, they're, I mean, the phone went dead. And I'm like, I'm like, no, okay, but seriously, what do you want to do? And I said, no, that's what I want. I'll pay for it. I don't, I mean, but I know that's what I want. Like, we can't do that. We can't have a thousand fans. I said, okay, forget the thousand fans, thousand friends. <clears throat> I have a thousand of my friends that want to come. Well, they said, we'll have to get back to you. So my manager, Reed, calls me and says, what's going on? I said, if I'm getting a star, I sure the hell am not going to have a luncheon. We are going to throw down. This is going to go off the hook. Well, Food Network, Erica Slavin is her name. Erica is one of the greatest people in the world. And Erica puts together not, I mean, it was the most over-the-top outrageous. I think they had to spend a million bucks on it. I really think they did. It was Cirque du Soleil, drinks, velvet couches, out in the middle of the parking lot at the Palladium, and Foreigner played an acoustic set. Wow. And my buddy carries the my buddy carries the lead singer foreigner, and it was the most amazing thing. It was incredible. So that night, so then, uh, so we got him. Yeah, this is how crazy this got. We did the party. We had to wrap the party at five, just as it started to rain. You know, standing in the rain with my head hung low, just as it starts to rain. Standing there with my best friends, my kids, my nephew smoking cigars, listening to Foreigner play, drinking tequila. And we, you know, the, the day wraps. So we all take off and go down the street to Mark Mahoney, I think Mark Mahoney's, Mahoney's, and get tattoos, big star tattoos. <laughs> and then that night we went to my other buddy's big mansion in Beverly Hills, had another band, one of my favorite bands from Northern California of Wonderbread Five, and they played a set. And Brett Michaels showed up and so it was awesome. I, I would say that that encapsulates <laughs> quite a career. Uh, Guy, what, what is your, how, how would you depict your relationship with success through the years? Has it changed? Yeah, I don't think it's really changed. You got to really respect it. You have to respect it. You have to honor it. You have to appreciate every day of it. You have to, you have to realize it didn't come for free and it can leave tomorrow. And if you don't embrace it with the integrity and the, of the, you know, if you don't live the moment, none of it's, you can't take it for granted. That's for sure. You can't, 
I got to treat every single situation, every single person, every single engagement, every single time. You know, it's it's just you don't want. It's like I feel bad, you know, giving you just my forehead for the conversation. Um, you got here on the principles and the ideals and the activities and all of that. That's what got you to the table. And you know, my best advice or my what my mantra is is to continue that continue. You know, the, the success continues on. But um, I was never a big money-driven person. You know, I, I always liked to have money in my pocket. But it was funny. I opened my first restaurant. And I'm standing outside my first restaurant. The lights are on. The place is packed. There's a line down the street. My buddy, Brian Baglietto, my buddies from college, still a real good friend of mine, standing out there. And he said, you're going to be really successful. My, my nickname is Guido. He says, Gleeds, you're going to be really successful. And I said, why do you say that? And he goes, oh, just to keep up with all your habits. Because I love cars. I love, <laughs> I love excess. I love doing crazy things. I love going on adventure. I love, you know, I just, and he goes, you just need to be successful just to pay for all your shit. <laughs> and it was so funny because I laugh about it all the time that, you know, I don't really live elaborately, but I do have fun things. And I do, like, I love cars. You know? let, let, let's close with this guy. Why? I know you're headed to the game. Uh, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs? It doesn't have to be that they are in the culinary arts uh, or that they're going to be what they might imagine or hope to be the next guy, even though there are three guys from uh, Ferndale. Uh, what, what advice do you have for them, not just on the creative side, but as entrepreneurs? Well, I think that's a great question. Um, there's multiple facets to it. Let's just go to the basic one. We live in the greatest country in the world. If you don't believe that and you don't embrace that, it's kind of like not recognizing that the NBA is an unbelievable, are the refs perfect? No. Do the Warriors get fouled more than anybody else uh, and get called for more fouls than anybody else? Yes. (laughs) My son's laughing. We're the greatest country in the world. You can be anything you want in this country. You come Immigrants come to this country and kick ass and take names. Our families, most all of us are immigrants. My family's immigrants, you know? And so we come to this country for the land of opportunity because it's a land of opportunity. Seize that moment. Be have that opportunity. What are you waiting for? But you have to be in the mindset. Now, the mindset comes from a lot of things. You know, the mindset can come from your family. The mindset can come from your, from your teacher. It can come from somebody you admire. It can come from reading Entrepreneur. It's, you know, the mindset's got to get straight. But it's kind of like, you know, choose your paradigm. You either want to get it that we have the greatest opportunities in the world and we can prevail, or you want to not think about it and you just want to stand in line and go the way that the flow goes. That's fine. The, the flow needs to go the way it goes for some folks. But I think that first and foremost, it's the, it's the environment that we live in. It's a, this is a very fertile environment to be successful. Two, hard work. Or three, got to get your mindset right. Got to have the right mindset. You got to look at it and I am going to win. I am going to prevail. I am going to be successful. I am going to do what it takes to get there. Three, hard work. I mean, just don't misunderstand it. 
I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your education is. Okay, none of that matters anything if you're not going to put hard work into it. And that's so funny because you could have a motor, you could have gasoline, you could have a $10 million jet engine, gasoline, the, you can have everything. If you don't have spark, you don't got shit. So you kind of, you know, you could use that analogy of the engine a million different ways and all the little components, you know, got to have the plane. Okay. There's your, there's your America. You know, you got to have the spark. There's your, you know, there, there's your, your, your inspiration. You got to have, you got to have all these components of that to make it happen. But if you don't put them all together, then you're probably not going to get that thing off the ground. But hard work, hard work is probably one of the things that this, it's what this country was founded on. You know, it's what people made the sacrifices of. It's what our veterans, it's all what all the, mili- all the folks in the military do to keep this country free. Hard work. Anybody wants to tell me there's no such thing as a 40-hour work week. Get that out of your mind. You got to work 24-7. But in my book, 25-8. But you also live 25-8. Don't make work and life separate. Make it the same thing. Put it all together. Enjoy that phone call from your kids when you're at work. And take that work call when you're at home. Be willing to, you got to be available. You know, it doesn't turn off. The world doesn't shut off. You're, hopefully, your business is making money 24-7. You know, if it may not be open 24-7, but you'd like to be top of mind in, the, in, in people's thought process about whatever your business is, be it on social media or, you know, going through that, that rigmarole. I think those are the, some of the fundamental principles. But I, I, getting back to that inspiration piece, there are so many people in this world, like myself, like your magazine, like Danny Palomino. Do you know Palomino? I don't. No, but he, he works with you guys. Um, I don't even know Danny's last name. It's just Palomino. Um, <laughs> but I got to think of his name. You never heard the story of Danny Palomino? Oh, God. <laughs> I got to ask her. Ask her around the office. Okay. Uh, but anyhow, um, find somebody that you admire and that is doing it and just go ask them for some advice, ask them for some support. A good friend of mine, actually my CFO, her son plays baseball, big time baseball, and he's having a bad run. And uh, she was telling me about it. And so I called him. Actually, I sent him a message. And I said, I don't play professional sports, but I'm in the professional environment. And you're letting some things get at you that you shouldn't. And let's just have a talk once a week for five minutes or, you know, for, for five hours. Let's just have a talk because I can help you in a little bit of this space that you're in. And I think that for those that are entrepreneurs and have that energy and have that spirit and have that background and have that success, amen, share it. And for those that need it, go find it. But we have to remember that's what this country was founded on. And I'm a huge patriot. I'm a huge patriot if you can't tell. But I, I think that we, ha- we have it. We have the power to be anything we want. Elon Musk. Look what the man has done, you know, and love it or hate it, whatever, whatever people's opinion is. But the fact is, look what's happened. Look at all the inventions that this country has generated. We've done it all. Why? Because of the land of opportunity. Because you can be anything you want to be. 
Well, you're a fantastic symbol guy of that. And I know we haven't met beyond before this at all, but uh, you are, to me, what I've seen on TV. And the next time you're in Nashville, maybe we'll go to Hattie B's or something like that. I was like just that. in Nashville. I was just there. <laughs> That's uh, it. Well, I'll tell you a story. I was in Nashville staying at the uh, the Hutton. Is it called the Hutton? It is. Really yeah. nice hotel. So I'm staying. That's where I always stay when I go in. I love the Hutton. And I'm staying there. And I got the suite. And I was shooting Triple D just last week. And I'm walking down the hallway going to my room. And I, bunch, I bump into Sammy Hagar's tour manager. <laughs> and he course. goes, Guy. I go, what's going on? And he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm staying here. I'm shooting a show. He goes, Sammy's next door talking to Clint Black. I go, what? And he goes, yeah, there's a concert hall right next door. I'm like, get out. So I walk in and there's Sammy and Clint Black doing an interview. And I ended up uh, at the end of their interview, which is a televised interview. They tape it for the show. I, I end up walking up to the two of them with, you know, Santo Tequila, because I had some in my room. I figured. Blue blew Sammy's mind. He's like, what the fuck? What are you doing here? So anyhow. But no, I love, I love Nashville. I have a restaurant in Nashville, a chicken guy. And... Um, just bought a piece of property about 20 minutes outside of Nashville. So no, I'm a big fan. So yeah, no, I'll definitely look you up. Well, guy, keep up the great work. You're an inspiration to so many entrepreneurs out there. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Enjoy the game tonight. Absolutely, my friend. And thank you very much for answering made any sense and that you're able to uh, <laughs> develop anything out of that. But if by chance I left you hanging with a uh, non-complete thought or sentence, don't hesitate to call back and I'll make sure that I make it even more confusing. <laughs> Got it. Hey, safe travels to Africa. Thanks, guy. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks for taking the plunge into Headroom, where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives. Headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at Old Soul. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom.